Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of My Naked Mindset. This is episode number 34 and I am your host, Janae Ledger. If this is your first time listening to my podcast, welcome. I welcome you with open arms. Definitely let's connect. I am on all of plat- your, you know, your social media platforms, My Naked Mindset on Instagram. I'm also on Twitter and TikTok. And I also have a Facebook page as well. So definitely be sure to connect with me so you never miss an episode. I am super excited about today's episode. Just a few things that I wanted to talk about. So I don't know about you, but I have been watching The Bachelorette, which has been crazy. Michelle's season. We're kind of getting to the end, actually. And I haven't really done a recap in a little while. But it's down to the final three men, which is crazy. I feel like this season flew flew by. Wow, flew by. And the Men Tell All episode was on uh, this past Monday. And holy shit, it was crazy. A guy in the audience was, you know, ripped off his clothes and started walking, like running around the place naked. It was hysterical. There was so much drama, so much tension, so many crazy conversations Um, So I very much enjoyed that. And I've also been watching season four of Selling Sunset, which if you watch that show, you know, super entertaining, trash TV, quote unquote, reality TV. But I love it because you can just sit there, watch it, and you don't have to like think about anything. So that's kind of what I've been watching right now. I've also been watching the show Made. Very, very powerful storyline. It's on Netflix. It's about this woman who is in like a domestic violence um, situation with her boyfriend and she kind of takes her baby and kind of leaves the house in the middle of the night and just it kind of shows her life, um, you know, raising her baby and and really just kind of trying to get her life back together and very good, very powerful show. So those are my recommendations for this week's podcast. And I really hope that you enjoy the conversation with me and my guest today. All right, everyone. I have a very special guest today. She is a former therapist, now COO. Everyone, please welcome Shannon to the show. Hello. (laughs) How's it going? I'm so excited to have you here today. It's good. Um, weather's getting colder where I live and uh, had a long work day, but such is life. Right, exactly. The podcast <laughs> life. Love it. Um, so I'm really curious. Tell us about your like former career path and like just being a therapist turned COO. Like I'm very curious to how you got to that point. Yeah, I mean, I would have to say of all the stories in my life, this might be the most interesting, although I have some good dating stories too. But Um, So I I went to college to be a teacher and was discouraged by that uh, and from, you know, many different directions. And so um, ended up getting a degree in educational psychology, which basically means you have to go to grad school because it's a useless degree. And uh, I thought I would write textbooks. And then looking back on that, I'm like, nobody wants to read a textbook. So why in the hell would anybody want to write one? But that's what I thought I was going to do. So um, went to graduate school, got a master's degree in counseling, and um, that's where I met my ex-husband. Okay. He was in law school. Um, We were both in Alabama and 
then after that, I went and worked in a rather large group home facility um, and spent about five years there. And if you stay in the child welfare space long enough and you are good at what you do, you will continue to get promoted because that's just the way the world works. And I always say, if you can work in a group home, you can literally do anything because it's really tough work. Um, so did that and then ended up in the drug, um, prevention, intervention, treatment, and recovery space and had several jobs in that arena, um, eventually working for the office of national drug control policy, which is part of the white house, um, spent almost 10 years in Washington, DC, and then came back to the South where I live. I didn't get this accent because of, uh, DC for sure, but, um, <laughs> Worked in a couple nonprofits, and then about four years ago, some friends of mine called and said, we'd love for you to come work with us. And I had no idea. I knew they owned a company, but I had no idea what the company did. And um, so I've been working as the, I was a director of operations and then was given the title of COO last year. And so um, managed the staff and our daily work. So that's me. That so is, I've been very career focused, to say the least. I mean, you don't move through a path like that without, you know, a lot of, I guess, drive is what you call it. But it's also it's also a little crazy too. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, it sounds like you have a lot of different experiences, and I'm sure you've the amount of work and 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 focus and and drive, like you were saying. I'm sure it's just incredibly hard to, you know, the I mean, the child's you know, the, Ugh. oh, that yeah, was so hard. I always say, I always say you have to be just a little bit crazy to do that kind of work because you can cross over from therapist to client pretty quickly. And I think it's also why I've developed a pretty healthy habit of leaving work at work. Mm-hmm. Um, That's so it's important. harder to do it now in this job, I would say, just because the pressure is so much and because I'm responsible for a lot of other people, but um, still try to really leave work at work. Yeah, that's very important to have the the balance and and sure. really push, just try to push that you know just keep it at at work and and sometimes you know it's all a balancing act. That's what I say. You know, life is nothing but one big balancing act. So <laughs> exactly. So let's just get into the topic. <laughs> I am so curious to hear all of your stories. Um, you told me a few things already, and I'm so excited for my listeners to hear your stories. So. Let's just start out at like your, your dating background. You said you were married at one point. Mm-hmm. So I um, met my ex-husband while we, he was in, uh, we were both in, you know, secondary, like graduate school type things. And um, I had gone to school and was really not excited about the city that I was living in. And I was really far from family. Um, and I was like, I'm going to go, I'm not going to get involved with anybody, anything, any, I just go to graduate school, get out, go back home. Mm. And I took courses. Um, I took a higher load than I had to, because I was like, just get me out of here. And I met him two weeks after I got there. And this is actually really a good story. And, you know, I have nothing bad to say about my ex-husband. He's a great person. Um, he is on wife number three and I'm wife number one. So Ooh. I don't know. <laughs> um, but anyway, we, I was in a restaurant with a girl that I was in school with and I saw him from across the room and he just caught my eye and we kept kind of playing the eye dance game that you can do. And 
then I we paid the bill and left. And I just knew in the back of my head, I was like, I'm going to see that guy again. And we went to other, we were kind of bar hopping around town and went to all these other places. And I think that was the most lucrative number collecting night of my life. Um, just meeting lots of people. And this was, you know, um, we didn't have cell phones still. Mm-hmm. So this is like 1997-ish. And you're collecting phone numbers like on pieces of paper or a napkin or or whatever. And so we're, you know, hopping all around town and we end up in a gay bar at like two in the morning because, you know, everybody knows that gay bars are the best and they have the best music and all that. They're so fun. They're the best. So the girl I was with, she knew some other people there and she kind of went off and talked to them. So I just went out on the dance floor by myself. I didn't care. And I look across the room and there he is. Oh my God. I was like, I'm pretty sure he's lost. He might not know he's in a gay bar. Like somebody may have bribed him or like he lost a bet. Like he was in an Abercrombie and Fitch t-shirt with a master's hat on khaki pants, you know, like normal, like tennis shoes and had a, um, a Budweiser in one hand and like a liquor drink in the other. And I was like, yeah, this dude's lost. So we immediately realized who we were like that. Oh, he's like, that's the girl from the restaurant. I'm like, that's the guy from the restaurant. And so we kept playing the eye dance game the whole time. And then it was like five in the morning and the place was shutting down. This was back when I could go to bed at five. Now I get up at five. Right. And so, um, he's really tall and I came up behind him and I tapped him on his back and he turned around and looked down at me. And I said, if you're going to, if you're going to stare at somebody like that, you should get their permission. <laughs> I love it. That's hilarious. And he snaps back very quickly with, well, can I stare at you over dinner? And I was like, you can stare at me forever (laughs) because I really valued that he could like come back at me that way, you know, like, so, um, he said, like, can I get your number? And I said, you can call information. This was back when you could call 411. Yep. Told him my first and last name. And, you know, guess what? He calls me the next day. Wow gets the, yep. Does the whole nine yards, gets the number. And we went out that night. And, um, I remember saying to him, you know, this was 1997, things were much different. I remember saying to him, like, are we going to tell everybody we met in a gay bar? And he was like, I guess, I don't know. You know, like, so it was our story that we met in a gay bar and um, a gay bar in Alabama at that. So um, that was our story. And we dated for four and a half years, went through finished graduate school and um, moved to the same town to be together. And we got married in 2001 and huge, big wedding. Uh, And um, we divorced in 2006. And in the process of that, we separated, got back together. I moved to Washington, D.C. And that's how I ended up there. And then within about six months of me moving there, I knew things were probably going to go south again. And we separated in May of 2006 and we're divorced um, in November of 2006. So I just celebrated my 15th year of what I consider to be freedom. (laughs) 
Hey, <laughs> I mean, some people are glad to be divorced. Sometimes it's like, I've heard of people having a party for, you know, we're oh, sure. divorce, you know? Yeah. Um, and I didn't really feel that way. I mean, I felt like, you know, it was a death of sorts and that my life as I knew it was really over. And I think that when people go through divorce, they've really got to kind of realize that and allow that to unfold. And, um, after we divorced, I started dating someone and, um, we met on match.com. I mean, that was like the birth of online dating was right around then. And I would have dates, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I mean, it was not hard. I was 32 years old in Washington, DC. You know, there's a lot of people that live there, although there's a lot more women than men who are single. Mm -hmm. Um, but so I met this guy, we dated for 13 months. And the crazy story about him is he had a, he had a little girl. She was nine at the time. And, um, you know, we dated long enough that she, you know, I actually ended up moving in with him and she came and lived with us in the summer. And so I met her mother, you know, I mean, if you're going to live with somebody's kid, like, you know, she had my phone number and she could call me and it was cordial. It was fine. Um, and he and I broke up and it was really hard on his daughter. And, um, I mean, she was like, I thought you and my dad would get married and, you know, it was, it was heart wrenching. And so I moved out and probably, I don't know, a couple months later, her mother called me Hmm. and she was like, you know, how are you doing? And I was like, I'm fine. Why are you calling me? And she said, my kid is a wreck and I need you to come see her. (laughs) And I was like, you're kidding me. And she was like, no. And I said, okay, well, um, you know, just give me the name of a hotel. She said, oh no, you'll stay with us. And I need you to bring the chocolate lab. So in the process, I had one dog. And then when he and I started dating, I got another dog. I, I sort of rescued a six month old chocolate lab from a situation And, um, her name was Casey, like C-A-S-E-Y. Well, his daughter's initials were letter K, letter C. So I changed her name to letter K, letter C and the child and the dog were born on the same day. Oh, wow. So she had really taken on this dog as kind of her own. So when her mother calls and she said, you got to bring the chocolate lab. I said, she's 10 months old. Like she's an idiot. You know, she's she's a 10 month old chocolate lab. Like she chews on stuff and she's like, it's fine. So I go down there and, you know, I had seen her mother, like when we would exchange her in the car, you know, I never really had a lot of deep conversation with her, but you know, we knew each other well enough. So I go down there and spend the weekend there and, um, continued to go there over the years repeatedly. And that little girl just turned 24 last month and I'm still in her life. And I just talked to her mom probably two weeks ago for two hours and I have no idea what he's doing, but I am still in the life of this child and ex-wife. <laughs> wow. I mean, hey, you guys obviously bonded and wow, that's, that's yeah. powerful. So the, funny, so the funny thing is I'm a kid of divorce and I was really sensitive to, this was like my first situation where I'm meeting someone, someone's child. And so I was really sensitive right. and you know, tried to do everything right. And so in the, in the years that I've been dating and have dated people with children, like I'm really careful about that. And, um, you know, so I, I always handle that with care. And to be honest with you, she is the 
only, I think she's the only child in the years I've been dating that I've ever met. I've been close to a few, mm-hmm. but not, That's not a, ever. Yeah. It's a whole nother level once you meet the kids. Like I've dated men with children and there's been some situations where I've met the kid right away because they were young and they didn't know better. Like they were like two, so they wouldn't remember me. And then I've dated guys with children that, you know, it didn't ever really work out and it was too soon and I never met the kids. So, I mean, I could go either way and, and it's a whole different level. I'm sure like when you do, you know, Oh yeah. It's like, you know, you're now kind of in a relationship with a bunch of other people too. Yes. And so how you carry yourself and how you carry the relationship and how you treat their, you know, parent, um, matters. Right. And you're not just in a relationship with that one other person anymore. So I've been very careful to not rush that and not ask for that. Um, Last year during the COVID shutdown, you know, when I think people did couple up a little bit and then I don't know how it's going for them now, but um, I did the same thing. So after 14 years of pretty much being single, um, had a relationship for about five years, five months with a wonderful person. Um, And he had two sons and I think he was ready for me to meet them. And I was like, no way. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like the relationship wasn't what I wanted. And so I stalled that. And I'm so glad I did because, you know, we ended after five months and his kids were teenagers. So, you know, I know I would have fallen in love with them and thought they were wonderful. And so I halted that quickly and walked away. You know, I think that if you're going to date somebody who has kids and I don't have kids, so I need to be super careful when I date someone who has kids, because that's a whole that's a whole other world, whole other level, as you said, and a whole lot more responsibility. Definitely. And then, you know, breaking up the time and, mm-hmm. and their schedules, it, it is like a, it is another level and it can be, well, then you have important. a, you have a mother, you have a parent on the other side of that, that, right. you know, I said to him, I said that their mother wants to meet me, run a background check, phone number, see where I live, whatever. That's totally fine because I right. want her to feel like she has access to me and that I'm not a Looney tune. Um, and you know, he was like, well, I don't think she'll want to do that. And I'm like, well, then, then I'm worried about that actually, that she's not going to invest in who I am if I'm going to be in the life of her kids, but we never got there and it was fine. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that is, well. That's a crazy story. So now <laughs> So you said you dated someone last year. Did you, are you on the dating apps right now? Um, or maybe- so I'm on, you know, I'm, I, they're on my phone. Um, yeah. How much time and effort I put into them varies. Um, right. Most recently I was at a friend's house and so I was swiping while I was there and it's not that far from here. She's a couple hours away. And for me, somebody that lives a couple hours away is probably ideal because I've been single for 15 years. Like you're not moving in here. Don't leave your toothbrush in my bathroom. No, you're not getting a drawer. No, I'm not cleaning out closet space. Like I would be fine to never get married again and just have a companion that is, you know, I'm in a monogamous committed relationship with them, but like, we're not, we're not sharing our roof all the time. Yes. Um, so for me, that's like a good situation. So anyway, we connect on one of the apps. And the conversation on the apps was just stellar. I mean, it was great. Lots in common, same humor, same banter style, 
you know, everything's going great. Um, and then we moved to the phone. So we're texting and then we had a couple phone calls and they would go on for long periods of time. And the one thing that we had in common that was really kind of unbreakable and really great was we both go to bed ridiculously early. <laughs> Love it. I mean, I'm just going to tell you right now, nobody's messing with my sleep. No, nobody, nobody right. is messing with my sleep. I go to bed sometimes like eight thirty, nine o'clock on a weeknight and on a Sunday, I might go to get in the bed at like seven and watch a movie and I might make it to eight and I might not. And I'm okay with that. But a lot of people aren't. Mm-hmm. I wake up at five 30 in the morning without an alarm. Um, I don't want to talk to you and I don't want to talk about anything. I just want to get up and have my coffee and sit with my dog and watch the news. And then maybe I'll talk to you in 30 minutes or so. Um, but anyway, he and I were really, I felt hitting it off and I made the move to say, Hey, I'll drive to where you are and meet you like for lunch. Like we had plans to meet on a Sunday for lunch, which I thought was perfect. And then all of a sudden after Thanksgiving, the, it just fizzled a little bit and I was okay with the, uh, the volume of text messaging, like dying down a little bit. Cause I don't need all of that all the time. Right. And he just sent, constantly, no, right. that's the worst. I literally don't. And I think a lot of men think women need that. And mm-hmm. when I say like, you can go a whole day without talking to me, I'm not going to lose my pool over that at all. Right. So he sends me a text message and just says, I think the distance is not, you know, something we can overcome. Why don't you contact me? Like, you know, if you ever head back this way. And I was like, okay, my response was perfect. That was it. I didn't feel the need to tell him otherwise, convince him otherwise. That's what he needed. And, you know, one of the things that I really feel women have got to get better at is you're text messaging a guy, you don't really know him. He ghosts you. When people talk about getting ghosted, I'm like, you don't even know that person. Right. Like you got to move on. I mean, yes, if you've been on four, five, six dates and you get ghosted, yeah, that sucks. And you really do deserve an explanation. But at the end of the day, you got to move on. And it's just the way of the world with dating now. I mean, ghosting is a natural part of it, I'm afraid. And people just have to move on from it. Right. So you said that guy, you guys were a couple hours away. And then Mm -hmm. did you... Was the lunch good? Did you guys? We never made it to the lunch. Oh, he okay. cut it off before we before ever even met in person. Yes. Oh, God. Yep. yep. And he he's been out of a marriage for about uh, it, from like two to three years, from what I could sort of piece together. Mm-hmm. Has two kids. Um, I'm totally. He has a week on week off. I'm like great. Uh, you know, so somebody that has kids and has their own life and all of that, that none of that bothers me. You know, I think it is a challenge for some women to have to split time like that, especially if they don't have kids. Right. But for me, it's perfect. You're like, that's ideal. (laughs) Ideal. If I only have to see you every other week. Great. (laughs) Hey, I've heard of so many, so many people like wanting that. Like I've heard of, so there's another podcast I love. It's called girls got to eat. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So Ashley on that show her like ideal situation is like they have separate houses they sleep in separate beds like they don't have their own bed or they don't sleep in the same bed and I think that's like 
I don't think that everyone should have to be like a cookie cutter, like, oh, you have to do this and you have to do that. Like, you should just do whatever the hell you want and whatever you enjoy and, and feels good to you, you know? I don't so think for that- me, I always say, I want to see you from maybe Thursday night, maybe Friday night, depending on what kind of week I've had until Sunday before coffee. Yep. And if you stay past Sunday before coffee, I'm not going to see you until Saturday of the next week because that's just too much time. Yeah. I'm introverted. I can hit a wall and absolutely not be able to get over it. And I work hard, you know? And so I want to come home and watch crap TV and put on my fat pants and, Love it. you know, I mean, that's how my life has been for so long that to do any different from that would be hard. Um, I'm not, not willing to adjust that, but I also don't need somebody who's, I mean, you're not moving in here and I am all yeah. for separate houses and separate beds and all that stuff. Um, a lot of men say they want that, but I find they are intimidated by that. They oh, 100%. don't want that. They're like, Oh, you're every man's dream. I'm like, actually I'm not. <laughs> if that was the case. I wouldn't be in the shoes I'm in now, maybe. <laughs> right. I mean, hey, at least you know what you want. Like, that's powerful. And some people, like, right. like you were saying, some people think that they know what they want and then they get into the situation and then they're like, oh, wait, this is not right for me. And that also kind of sucks sometimes. Absolutely. Um, so I need to know what is your worst dating stories? Worst first dates? Sweet. <sighs> I mean, I'm sure you have some, some juicy ones. So let me start with, with a lighter one, because I just can't forget this one. And then I'll tell you the one that happened most recently. That is literally the worst dating story ever. It it is. (laughs) So this was when I first started dating and I met this guy on probably match.com because the apps weren't around back then. Yep. And, um, we, he, he, we both had dogs and he said, Hey, let's meet at the dog park. Perfect. And he said, I'm an early riser. Like how early do you get up? I'm like, how early do you get up? Cause I promise you, I beat you. <laughs> um, so we meet at the dog park at like eight o'clock on a Saturday morning and whatever. And then he was like, Hey, well, let's go get some lunch. And so take the dogs back to my house and we meet, you know, he, he, I think he brought his dog with him. I took my dogs home cause they're not like social dogs, but, um, we go eat and everything was great. And like, you know, we sat for a couple hours and ate, and then he called me a couple days later, we go out to dinner. I'm like, okay, this is, this is how this works, you know? And, um, we go out to dinner and it was, still light outside and there were lots of parking garages around us and he was like well where did you park and I was like over there he was like oh I'm over here and um and I said well you know how are you feeling about the two dates we've been on and he said well your rack is not as big as your pictures make it out to be stop it (laughs) to which I was like see you later or not. And I just literally walked off and he was like, no, I'm going to walk you to your car. I was like, you are going to do nothing but turn in the other direction and forget you ever met me. And he was like, I'm sorry. I was just kidding. I was like, no, you weren't. No, you weren't. In that moment, I was asking you like, how are you feeling about this? Do you want to do this again? And he's like, your rack is too small. That is unreal. (laughs) So rude. Ruthless. it's rude, but it's also just comical. Like what? Right. Like someone had that was a good idea. 
Right, right. Like, did you think I was going to go out on date number three? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Unbelievable. Do you think I'm going to show you my rack? <laughs> you're like, hell no. No, because you're going to be like, oh, it's too small. Okay, well, sorry. Um, not sorry. Crazy. Yeah. So the funny thing is he continued to try to call and ask me out and apologize. And I was like, yeah, well, you'll have to go find somebody with a bigger rack because it's not going to be me. <laughs> it's not going to be me. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, you know, in dating in Washington, D.C., I mean, it is the place where the the term or the phrase was coined that your women are more likely to get struck by lightning than like, get married after 40 or something. That was the city where like that happened. There were four single women to every one single male in Washington, oh, yeah. D.C. So if wow. you're a dude, go to D.C. There's plenty right. of women. You would think it'd be the opposite, but it's not. Um, so dating in Washington, D.C. is was it was so hard. And, and you know, that was sort of the birth of the, you know, online dating. And it was a really hard place to date because people are transient. There's a lot of military that come in and then they go somewhere else. There's a lot of, um, where do you work is often the first question. Um, people want to know if you work in a place of status or, you know, so when I worked at the white house, you would have thought somebody would have swooped me up, but I didn't, um, didn't get swooped up, but you know, I tended to stay away from people with political jobs and that kind of thing. I dated um, a guy who was a dog trainer, which was super fun. He actually trained military and police dogs, met him on an app. He lived about three hours away from me where the ex-boyfriend's wife and daughter lived. Oh my God. Yep. So I would go down there to see them and him and they all met. And uh, yeah, I dated him for about three months. And then I had like a family situation happen and I just ended the relationship because it was all crazy. And I felt really bad about that, but you know, life happens. And then I dated a guy who I was friends with and that was kind of a salacious situation. I kind of broke up the relationship that he was in at the time, totally by accident. Like it wasn't my intent, but we just like fell for each other in a really big way. And yeah, that was a really great three months. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I mean, Sometimes those things work out and sometimes it doesn't work out. Like, it's like, oh, that was really great, but it can. So are you, are you friends anymore? No, no, I'm not friends with any of either of them anymore, but if I saw them, I would be like, really, you know, yeah. so you want me to tell the really horrible story? I want to hear it. (laughs) Okay. You're, I really want you to like, I know you're sitting in a chair, but I really want you to hold on to it. Oh God. I really want to warn every listener out there that this story has never happened to anyone else. And if it happens to someone else, I want them to find me and tell me. So I met this guy on, on Tinder. Okay. And, um, he's cute. He's tall. He's all the things. And he said that he lives in California, but he's working where I live. Okay. Well, I'm like, perfect. You know, You're like another, perfect. another situation where I don't have to see you all the time. Right. So he was, so he's like where I live during the week. And then he goes back to where he really lives on the weekends. So we meet and I get there a little early and I order a glass of wine and I, and he comes in and he sits down and like, 
he orders a diet Coke and I'm the worst. I am the absolute worst. And I, I, I said to him, what are you a Mormon? <laughs> and he said, yes. Oh my God. No way. And, I mean, first of all, no offense to Mormons, but it was just, I don't know why that came out, but you know, we're sitting at a bar and he agreed like, so anyway, he's sitting there drinking his diet Coke and he proceeds to tell me, yes, I'm a Mormon. I'm having some issues with the church right now and starts to kind of talk to me about this. And I was just like, uh, okay. Um, and he then is telling me that he has five children, not a shock been divorced for five years and that he um, married his wife very young. And of course they were virgins when they got married and all that stuff. Right. Well, <clears throat> they start to try to have children and she's having some issues and she goes to the doctor and the, do- the, the doctor tells her she has a medical condition. But the way that he says this is we're in this loud bar And he says, he just blurts out, my wife, my ex-wife had two vaginas. What? (laughs) Stop it. I was like, one that liked you and one that didn't? Like, I had no idea idea where the story was going. And, you know, I try to be really empathic, but I'm like, right. What in the, what are you about to say? And he said, no, I'm serious. And I was like, he said, he said, sometimes I would have to have sex with one. And then the other, when we were trying to have children, because we never knew which one was ovulating because she had a bifurcated uterus. This man is telling me how he had to have sex with his ex-wife because she has a bifurcated uterus. And I'm like, I have known you for an hour. Too much information. And I don't know your last name. <laughs> but I know your ex-wife oh. had a bifurcated uterus. My God. So, you know, I am one of these people that people will just tell all their stories to. And I think right. that's like the counselor thing in me. And I'm just kind of have a safe place to land. Right. And I just, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I don't want to be this much of a safe place to land for people. And he just had no problem with having told me this. And I'm just trying to be, I just want to eat, eat my food and just get out of there. Right. And so we wrap everything up, pay for the food, walk out into the parking lot. And he was like, well, um, I gotta go home for the weekend in California, but I'll, I'll touch base with you next week. And I'm like, yeah, sure. And get in my car. And I call my friend who does not answer the phone. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I'm in a moment of need. Right. Somebody needs to answer the phone. So I called another friend. She doesn't answer the phone. Called another friend. She doesn't answer the phone. Oh, no. Finally, I text messaged my my friend Amy and I said, "You got to you got to talk to me." She was like, "I'm in the bed." I'm like, "Get up and go downstairs." <laughs> so I get Amy on the phone and I start to tell her what has happened, and she's like what? And then my friends start to call. And I'm, I, so I start merging the calls all together. So by the end of it, my three friends and I are on the phone and Amy's giving like, you know, like a sports commentator, like gives the background comments on everything. Like I'm telling the story, but she's giving the background comments 
by the end of it, everybody's in stitches. They're like, why does this happen to you? And you're going to go out with him again, right? Because we have a lot of questions. You're like, I need to know more information from this dude. And I was like, y'all, I cannot. No, I can't sit through that. Like, (laughs) there's no way that that can. I can't. I'm not putting myself through this. Like, what in the world? So I hope it's okay that I'm moving around. Anyway, the phone call ends. My friends are then the next morning text messaging me like, you have to go out with this guy again. You're like, no, I don't want to. Because we have so many questions. And I'm like, no, I can't. I can't. Well, damn, if he doesn't call me and ask me to go out with him two more times. He literally had no problem telling a woman on a first date that his ex-wife, that he had to have sex with both of her vaginas. And I was like, you know, I'm not going to live up to that. I only have one. I only have one. Oh, my God. (laughs) But apparently she did not know this until they were having challenges getting pregnant. And, you know, she didn't know. And I, I have a lot of empathy for her. Yeah. And I cannot believe he's running around telling people this story. Strangers, That's, literally strangers, me. That is, I don't even, I'm speech. I'm not usually speechless. That, that I mean, is, you, you probably heard a lot of stories, but oh yeah. like I said, if anybody out there ever goes on a date and you learn that the ex-wife has a bifurcated uterus and that he used to have sex with both sides of her vagina to get her pregnant, you call me. <laughs> I want to hear about it. I do. I really do. I want to commiserate. I want to know how you felt in that moment because I want to see if I had the proper reaction because I don't have anything to bounce this off. I don't. It's sure. never happened to anybody I know. The only thing I could even somewhat relate to, not not the double vagina, but I went on a date with a guy that he was talking about the women, his ex-girlfriends that he had sex with, their their body types and the sex toys they used and just like very vivid details. And I'm like, this is my first date with you. I You don't, don't want to know that. I do not want to know any of that. Like ever. I was I was mortified. I was truly mortified. I'm like, I mean, you're glad they arrived to the table with that kind of knowledge and that kind of experience. Right. And maybe that's your thing too. And you're like, great, this won't be a weird thing for me to mention. But you don't want to hear about that with other no. people. No, no. It was Mental. horrifying. Take note here. Don't talk about your ex-wife's vagina to anybody. <laughs> ever. That's, that's insane. I, yeah. That uh, just happened to me like, like maybe, maybe two months ago, six, eight weeks. Oh, I'm wow. still not over it. I'm not okay. Wow that's so he tried to call you and then did you just kind of you're like so he would always kind of text message like at the last minute like hey let's go do this or hey let's go to the basketball game and I'm like I mean one night so I had a I was supposed to have a massage before we did this podcast and one night I was like it's my massage night and he was like well just come afterwards well you know when you get done with a massage you're like greased up like a butterball turkey and you don't want to be out in public and And you're relaxed yeah, I was like, no, no, <laughs> right. He was like, well, I won't mind. I'm like, you won't mind a lot of things, okay? Because you, you don't, your boundaries are off. Well, very, very off. Wow. Yeah. So I haven't been on a date in two months, and that that could cure me. Uh, that that <laughs> just that tops the cake. What's your- <laughs> Besides that, what is like the weirdest or like strangest thing someone's asked you on a date? Hmm. Weirdest or strangest thing someone's asked me. Or told you besides the. I mean, 
an ex-wife with two vaginas. It's going to be hard to top that. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> um, you know, I think it would probably, I would have to say, you know, my years dating in DC, I mean, I've been on like a million first dates and like five second dates. Yep. Um, a lot of the, you know, where you went to school. And while those are interesting things to find out about a person, they're not really the value. I would right. say one of the things I really hate that men do on the dating apps is call you beautiful and baby and honey. Oh. And, and I don't, you haven't earned that yet. And, um, one of the pictures that's on my dating profile, this guy was like, Ooh, you have thick thighs. Do you run? And I'm like, to the bathroom when I have to pee, you know, like, like don't assume anything about me from a picture. Like, really? I know that's what we're doing on these apps, but please don't talk about my thick thighs. I'm, you know, I'm not a particularly large human, but I was like, and he was, you know, he was a doctor. You'd think he'd know better, but I guess not. Um, oh I think it, you know, I wouldn't say that I've had anybody come off the rails except for you know rack guy and two vaginas i mean those are pretty bad it's those more are- just yeah it's more just the constant you know what do you do and and in right. dc that was a status thing it's not anymore like you can ask me that now and it's no big deal back then you know oh you work at the white house oh you um you know and i'm like do this job you know whatever so i don't know that i have like any good stories in that lane because it's hard to talk. Right. (laughs) That's understandable. (laughs) So what is your, like, when someone asks you on a date, what is like your worst nightmare date that someone asks? You're like, I do not want to do that. Oh, when they want to go like hiking, biking and scaling mountains. Yes, absolutely. First of all, I'm going to look like trash, which I kind of, I kind of don't care about that. The older I get, but you're going to look like trash. Always trying to do is see you in yoga pants. Yeah. Always trying to do. Um, and I think it's a test of, you know, is she fit? Is she thin? Is she this? Is she that? And I don't, I don't like that. And the other thing I've always said is if a man really wants to see you, he'll bust his face to do it. And I, you know, and so you're gonna, you're gonna ask me what I want to do probably. And we're going to compromise and meet in the middle on something, but I can guarantee you the first day, it's not going to be hiking, biking and scaling a mountain because I don't do those things. No, I don't do them. And also someone else mentioned this to me, like when they were asked to go on a hiking, I think it was a hiking date. They said, think about it. You're going on with a stranger on a mountain. It's sketchy. It's creepy. Like what if it goes wrong? What if you don't like the person and then you're stuck on this mountain with them alone? And you got to find your way back. Right. Right. Mm -mm. I don't recommend that at all. Like no, and I, I think that a lot of women go on those dates because it makes them seem, you know, all earthy right. and active yeah, and whatever. Yeah. I can scale a mountain with you. Uh, <laughs> it's a bad idea. And I always say all the men are outside. And if they learn that all the women are inside, they'd probably stop being so single. The other <laughs> thing I don't like is when people on their dating apps talk about how they traveled so much. Yeah. And I'm like, so... <laughs> you're like tell me something else you know like it's it's not so you've traveled I mean I don't I don't know I don't know I don't know why people value that so much it's been always a mystery to me you know the hiking biking scaling mountains the traveling and then you know all the crazy pictures that men post online I mean I I feel like somebody needs to do a course 
<laughs> I totally like, agree. 100%. And I always want to do, um, like, I think somebody needs to start a, like a, a, I don't know, a social media page of like <laughs> posting, you know, stupid shit men post on their dating profiles because yes. a there's major patterns. Oh, 100%. And B, why are you not listening to the feedback that's all over the place? Now, my understanding is on the flip side of that, women use a ton of filters mm-hmm. and duck lips and oh. look plastic and all that. I mean, I don't, yeah, I'm not it's hard. That. It's hard to be in the dating world now. And you know, I'm 47 and um, I'm kind of just, I want to find a companion who is committed, but marriage may not be what we do. Living together may not be what we do, but we just create a life where we're headed in the same direction, where eventually one day we land on the same front porch and rock ourselves to death. Yeah. Hey, (laughs) that's fair. Like I said, I think it's a good thing. You know what you want. And yeah, but it's hard to find somebody else who wants that. I mean, right. I was just going to say there's probably someone out there that wants exactly what you want, but to find the right person is Well, my grandfather always told us a story that, you know, they, you know, there's this thing like find your fish in the sea, you know, there's one fish in the sea. And my grandfather would always say, there's a lot of fish in the sea and your job is to find a fish that you like and to know that, you know, there's still other fish. Right. So I hope he's right. I don't know. We'll see. My grandmother was on the phone with her tonight. And she is 87 years old. And um, she said to me, do you have a boyfriend? And I said, no, I don't. She was real excited last Christmas when I did. Oh. And um, she said, well, don't you think one day you'll meet a boy and maybe y'all kiss and get married? And I was like, I don't know. Uh, I'll let you know when it happens. She's so sweet about it. She worries about me being on my own. Yeah. And she's 87. So, you know, wow. Hey, I mean, it seems like you're killing it and, and you clearly, <laughs> you clearly, you clearly know what you got going on and, and, and being content alone. You know what I mean? Like that's something I think so many people cannot fathom doing. Like they jump from relationship to relationship. They cannot physically be alone. They're not, they freak out. They, they can't I love do- it. Yeah, I love it. And I will, I always say to people when they come out of divorce, I don't care how old you are. I don't care how fast you want to get remarried. I don't care how, what, I don't care what timeline you think you have Mm -hmm. stay single for at least two years because you've got to fall in love with yourself and you've got to realize that yourself may be as good as it ever gets. Right. And I can remember in the, you know, the first many years being divorced, being single again, being in Washington, D.C., playing that game, trying to meet somebody, um, you know, really wanting that in life. And I got to a place where I was like, this might be as good as it ever gets. And I got to get in love with that. I can remember I used to call them sad sack Sundays. You go through the whole weekend and you try to make all these plans and, you know, you end up, you're too tired. You don't care. You're like, whatever. And then Sunday comes and you're like, damn, why didn't I go do something? You know, I could have met somebody if I'd have left my house. Um, And I can remember all my girlfriends feeling the same way. And all of my girlfriends are single, uh, independent, powerful women 
And we all sit around and say, like, do we just scare men? We don't, you know, we don't know. I mean, we'd love to know, you know, what we're doing. But at the end of the day, we are also incredibly happy to not have that stressor in our lives. I haven't argued with anybody in 15 years. Love it. If I want to eat cereal and M&Ms for dinner, guess what? That's what we're having. See, I Um, love that. I love that. I love it. It's so important to love yourself, like you were saying, because honestly, like when you do get out of a relationship, you kind of have to reflect and, and, and figure out, you know, oh, looking back on, you know, a relationship, like, you know what, that situation, I could have done something differently, or I really didn't like how he treated me during that situation. Like, there's so many things you can reflect on and really just like think about and like, okay, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to work on myself. I'm going to really love myself, take care of myself, whatever that, you know, entails for yourself. But I feel like, you know, self-care and self-worth um, is just so important to, you know, get ready for, you know, something else if that's what you want. But I feel like so many people just skip that step and just get into something else. And then they have all that weight on them from the previous relationship. They don't love themselves. They're still hurt. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, I, I got divorced, went into a relationship for a little over a year and then was like, big mistake. Shouldn't have done that. But the good thing that came out of that was that little girl and her mother who were still in my life, who I love dearly. Um, but really, you know, getting comfortable with who I was as a human and that this could be as good as it gets. If all I have is me, I'm going to be okay. And for 15 years, I've been okay. Yeah. Um, you know, and I really think about the, the one thing that I value more than just about anything other than, you know, like my brothers and my nieces and my family are the female friends that I have. I mean, I have, I am friends with some women that I wouldn't trade for the world and I will lay down on tracks for them. And we're all single. And, you know, there's a few people that are married, but a lot of them don't have kids. You know, there's this whole new world of people kind of not having children. Um, but we're all really focused on, you know, each other as humans and, and sort of feeding the different pieces and parts that people need. And, you know, I have different friends who play different roles in my life. And so it's, it's a very rich experience. And so if I was to get in a relationship, I mean, I think one of the things I bring to the table is that I have other healthy relationships. I'm not going to be looking to a partner to be my be all end all. Right. You can't expect that from a person. Um, so when the guy who I'm having this great back and forth conversation with <clears throat> and potentially, you know, making plans to meet finally says like, hey, this isn't working for me. I, my response was perfect. Because in that moment, that is perfect um, yeah. to really argue with what reality is showing me just really hurts me and to want things differently than they are is not a good path. It just creates more suffering for me. So. I really am happy in my life. And so anybody that comes into it is going to have to be a value add. Definitely. And compliment and, you in your life. Right. And I want to play that role for them. You know, that it's an agreement that we're making each other's lives richer and better until we're not. And, right. you know, Elizabeth Gilbert is very famous for her book, Eat, Pray, Love. But the book that she did, that she wrote that a lot of people haven't read is Committed. Mm-hmm. And I highly recommend it because it talks about different relations, you know, how marriages and relationships work around the world and in different cultures. And it really opened my eyes to the fact that, you know, in America, we, we fantasize relationship, we fantasize marriage, especially women. 
you know, we yeah. were raised to do the big white dress and the church and the picket fence and the kids and the dog and the whatever, when really it should be about finding someone you want to die with. Mm-hmm. And all the things that happen in between are just a path to that end. And you hope that it's good and rich and fulfilling. But I, w- I was talking to my friend um, that I, I wake up at 630 at six o'clock every day and have a conversation with my friend, Jean um, for 30, for 30 minutes. We've been doing it for since COVID. So we're almost two, it'd be two years in March. So we get up and drink coffee together. And we were talking this morning about how it's just amazing how two people can get into a relationship and fall in love and, you know, give their lives to each other and, you know, marriage and all the things. And then when it gets to where they're headed towards a divorce, they're destroying that other person. I mean, the one thing that I would have to say my ex-husband and I did not do in the divorce process was do that. Yeah. We pretty much looked at each other and said, we tried and we have failed and ways. Right. And we didn't have kids. We didn't have property to split. There was none of that. So it was, it was easier than what a lot of people experience. but I can't imagine falling in love with someone and then getting so mad and angry and twisted and distorted in the relationship that I just tear them down. Yeah. It is crazy what some people do and go through when they get divorced. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And, and I'll tell you, if there's anything that scares me about a relationship, it's that I'm nobody's ever going to look at me wrong again. Right. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. It doesn't have to happen. I don't have to put up with that. And, you know, I just want to find somebody who, you know, wants that same Thursday to Sunday relationship. <laughs> hey, I love it. Put, put your energy out there. I just did an episode on manifesting. I love manifesting and just the idea of it, meditation. Um, I mean, I think if you put it out there, I mean, hey, you never know. You never know. What never know. I love never that. Know. Well, well, this was so amazing. It is game time. Um, are you ready? I, of course, I'm always ready. Okay. So this game is called this or that. It's just between two things and you get to choose whichever one you like better or prefer. All right. So the first one is burgers or tacos? Tacos. Tacos. Pizza or pasta? Pasta. Online shopping or in-person shopping? Online all day. Do you see all these boxes behind me? (laughs) I love it. Um, this one might be tough for you. Money or free time? Free time. Free time. Love it. Would you rather live in California or live in Florida? Ew. <laughs> <You're> like, Neither. <laughs> Neither. Uh, Neither. If I had to choose California. Okay. Fair enough. Um, would you rather have the ability to read minds or the ability to fly? read minds all day. Ooh, nice. Mm-hmm. I like it. Well, I mean, uh, I'm a therapist at heart, so true. that is true. I just want to know what people are thinking and why they do the crazy stuff they do. <laughs> and why that man told you about his TMI of his ex Yeah. Like, yeah. Made him think that was a good idea. Who knows? Right. Um, would you rather mistakenly send nudes to your family member or your boss? Uh, to be honest with you, my boss, because if you knew him, you know, he would be like, um, we'll just talk about this tomorrow. <laughs> I love He's that. The best. He's that's, the best. 
That's awesome. And his wife is a very good friend of mine. And she would be like, I'm, I'm sure you didn't mean to do that. <laughs> You're like, no, no worries. Don't worry about it. Um, would you rather live 100 years in the past or 100 years in the future? Oof. Oh gosh, that's the hardest one you've asked me so far because I'm so interested in where we've come from. I really yeah. don't have any interest in where we're going because I think it's going to be a hot mess. Um, maybe hundred years in the past. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting for sure. Mm-hmm. Would you rather direct a movie or direct a music video? Oh, movie all day. Movie. Yeah, totally. I mean, sometimes I think I'm like, is this a movie? I feel like I'm in the Truman Show. So it's the Shannon show. Am I really sitting at a bar where a guy's telling me his ex-wife has two vaginas? Yes, I am. This is, not a this is my real life. You should write, you should do the book. I think you should write a book about these experiences. And I'm sure if I sat down, I have a million more, but God, that one's just scarred me. And it's no, very recent. That is that, that tops the cake. Um, okay. Next one is, would you rather create a new holiday or create a new language? Create a new language. Nice. Um, would you rather have a personal chef or personal massage therapist? A personal massage therapist. I can You're cook like mine. All day. And I'm uh, happy with cereal and M&Ms. Love it. <laughs> um, if you could only have a manicure for the rest of your life or only a pedicure for the rest of your life, which one would you choose? Manicure. Manicure. I have right. really cute feet, by the way. My feet are so nice. Oh. They're small. They're not janky. Like I don't have a weird toe sticking out. <laughs> Those are all symmetrical. When I go get a pedicure, the people who do my feet are like, this is five minutes. Like I feel like got gypped and I'm like, well, wow. I, just, I just, my feet aren't crusty. It's great. That, I mean, some men are into that, you know, feet picks. <laughs> I, you know, I've heard about it. I think I should invest in that. Maybe. I don't right. know. Right. That's so funny. I will tell you, here's a funny story about my feet. So I was at my office and we were changing office suites. And so we were leaving a bunch of like old desk and things behind. So we called a junk removal service. Mm-hmm. And um, these two men came in and I wear Birkenstocks nearly every day mm-hmm. because I have, I just love, first of all, they're comfortable. And once you wear a pair, like I know they're not the prettiest and nobody's feet really looks good in Birkenstocks, but I have these really tiny feet. And in the summer, they're always, you know, they're always, the toes are painted and everything's fine. So I'm in the process of asking these men for a quote about removing this junk out of our office. And I'm like mid sentence, like, so that'll cost. And the guy, this other guy goes, ma'am, you have prettiest feet I've ever seen. (laughs) So the guy who's with him looks at him like we're in a professional situation. I'm at work. Everybody has heard this conversation because the office was not very big. And I was like, um, well, um, Thanks. I mean, I guess they're fine. Like, I really didn't know what to say. And I looked down and I'm like, I got Birkenstocks. Like, ah. so he leaves and we had an HR consultant in our office at the time. And she heard this whole thing happen. <laughs> she was like, let me see your feet. So I walk in the office. She's like, you're wearing Birkenstocks. And this man thinks that your feet are the best thing he's ever seen. I was like, you know, I got it going for me. I don't know. <laughs> That's amazing. That's <laughs> was hilarious. Crazy. People still pick on me at work about that. Like, yeah, you're the one with the pretty feet. The pretty feet. I mean, I guess that's not a bad thing. It's better than Mm. having ugly feet, I guess, you know? I mean, you know, whatever. It probably makes up for whatever other part of me, right? (laughs) 
All right. This one might be tough. Sunrise or sunset? Sunrise. Sunrise. I, wake up before the, I wake up before the sun. So. Oh, that's true. So that's, that's mm-hmm. okay. And then would you rather travel to a tropical island or Europe? Oof. Oof. Huh. Probably Europe. Europe. Because I've been to Italy and I've been to London. I could live in London. Um, I could move there tomorrow. It felt like Washington, D.C. on crack. Mm-hmm. Um, just the hustle and the bustle and the bigness and the lights and the noise. I mean, I just absolutely loved it. And then I sailed the Amalfi coast of Italy on a 43 foot Beneteau, slept on the boat, crewed the boat. And so went up and down the Amalfi coast um, for like, I don't know, eight or 10 days. And that was pretty amazing. So yeah, I think I probably want to go to Europe. Love it. That's awesome. All right, Shannon, let's, let's uh, connect on Instagram or whatever you'd like my listeners to find you. Yeah. So on Instagram, I actually am at uh, 126 days pod. So I have my own podcast and you can find me at 126 days pod um, on Instagram. And then if you're super bored on TikTok, I have a rather large TikTok following um, about my experience as a Pfizer uh, vaccine trial participant. Oh, cool. I have nearly 14,000 followers. It's so stupid. But on there, I am at E-S-S-D-E-E-D-U-B. Okay. At E-S-S-D-E-E-D-U-B. And it's all about my experience as a trial participant. And now that the trials are kind of winding down, um, you know, sometimes I talk about dating stories. Cool. (laughs) I love that. Well, this was so much fun. Thank you for telling me all of your stories and letting me pick your brain. This is a great conversation. (laughs) Um, I would say anytime, but I don't know that I'm ever going to be able to stop the two vagina story. (laughs) Seriously. That was, that was the cherry on top of all of the stories. Uh, Literally the cherry on top. Literally. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was such a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you again, Shannon, so much for being on the podcast today. I had so much fun with our conversation and hearing all of your dating stories. Definitely connect with her on her podcast and definitely feel free to connect with me on your Instagram or TikTok and definitely like my Facebook page. It's just at my Naked Mindset podcast on Facebook. And definitely feel free to email me as well with any topics or ideas that you'd like me to discuss. And thank you so much for being here for another episode. Bye!